Hello and welcome to the Third and King podcast on this fine April 5th evening. My name is Max. You remember my good friend TJ? Hey. I'd like to talk about the San Francisco Giants. TJ, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. It's a, it's a good evening. We're halfway through the week. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, halfway through the week, it feels like we've got maybe some opening weekend jitters behind us. Definitely. No more weird built-in weather days. Yeah, we're also in a stretch of, what is it, nine straight day games to open the season, which is bizarre. Yeah, so I like day games. As do I. But it does get hard working my day job <laughs> to, to keep up with it, so... I found myself in a Zoom meeting today, and I'm just looking like this because I've got a TV <laughs> open. And I'm thinking, oh, I know they know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's definitely a struggle for those of us working day jobs. So I'll be excited when, after the, the weekend series, when they get back to some night games. We've got our home opener coming up. Yeah, on Friday against the Royals. Yeah, and then uh, I think immediately after that, we play the Dodgers. Beat L.A. Why don't we... We got some injuries we could talk about, then maybe talk about what we've seen in these past two series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what we hope and expect to see coming up. Yeah. With you. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so I did. first off, I did notice that Luke Jackson was placed on the 60-day IL Jackson's still working his way back from Tommy John surgery, right? So this just confirms he's not going to be ready for at least two months. We discussed this last episode, right? He was put only on the 15 day and we kind of thought that was a little weird, but I think we expected to see this, right? Yeah. So you're exactly right. We kind of expected him to be put on the 60 day injured list to make room on the 40 man roster. They didn't do it at the beginning of the season. I don't really know why, so we thought maybe it was hinting at something. Turns out we were right in the first place, and they ended up putting him on the 60-day IL because just like you said, he is recovering from Tommy John. So, you know, he'll be back in June, I'd say. We were kind of hoping that maybe them not putting him on the 60-day injured list meant he was ahead of schedule, but no, I'm excited to see him when he's back. I'm sure he feels the same way. Don't You don't want to rush these kind of things. Definitely. But this does mean that we get Bryce Johnson. Yeah. And putting Jackson on the 60 day, that opened up a 40 man spot for Bryce Johnson. So now he's back on the roster and Brett Wisely was optioned from the 26 man roster in his place. There was kind of something that went under the radar a little bit as to why that happened in the first place. And Mm -hmm. apparently Susan Slusser of the Chronicle found out that because Johnson wasn't on the 40-man, the team had some other potential things they were considering, like a trade or something like that, that they were trying to get through before opening day. So they went with Brett Wisely, who was already on the 40-man roster Mm -hmm. on opening day, so that they had that flexibility in case they were able to make that move or that trade or whatever it is. We won't know what that is, but I think that just further explains why we didn't see Johnson on the opening day roster and why we're seeing him now. I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans are pretty happy to have him here, right? We we talked about how angry Twitter was. 
Yeah. Didn't make the opening day roster. Yeah. Uh, we did get to see his first big league home run. We did. It's funny because he hit that left-handed, and I've been very <laughs> critical of his ability to hit left-handed. I, um, you know, things like that, I'm happy to be proven wrong. You know, if I say you can't hit left-handed, like go out and mash left-handed, and, and I will be happy to to eat crow on that. Oh, absolutely. But I'm unfortunately, I think the whole thing may have been a bit overshadowed by the six other home runs that were hit that day. Yeah, especially the two from VR, one of them being yeah. a grand slam. That's pretty big. <laughs> Incredible. You just said it. Brett Wisely was optioned down to Sacramento. I imagine that as a player, it's got to, like, that kind of news has really got to bum you out. But I mean, if, if playing time is what's most important, then it's the right move, right? He's going to get more at bats and he's going to get more exposure. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Some players, depending on where they're at in their career, are fine, you know, having a couple of days off, coming in off the bench, whether that's pinch hitting or getting a spot start. I think younger guys just fare better when they have consistent playing time. And then especially with Wisely, because I think he's going to get a lot of playing time in center field at Sacramento. And again, he's very new to that position. So it'll get him more comfortable in center field. He'll get consistent at bats. I think that's actually probably for the best for him in the long term. You're right, all things being equal, he probably wants to be on the big league roster, but this is probably pretty good for him if we're being truthful. Yeah. One other injury we did learn about was uh, Joey Bart with some with some back tightness. At first thought, I came to my own conclusion that this is why he hadn't been starting. I don't know if I necessarily believe that anymore now that I think about it. I think that this happened during batting practice on Friday, maybe, and you know that Farhan came out and said some things, right? It sounded like they're just disappointed with him and, and he's failed to meet some expectations. So I don't know if, if the two are related, but I do hope that uh, he rehabs well and gets back. Yeah, and I think it just further complicates things with Gary Sanchez. You know, it's possible that this injury almost gives him an excuse to option Bart back to AAA. And who's to say if that ends up being good for him long-term or bad for him long-term, we won't really know. But, you know, considering he's going to be off the roster for at least 10 days on the injured list, they're probably going to want him to do a rehab assignment. What I just said about Brett Wisely, right? You just, Bart seems like one of those guys who might need the consistency and he might need yeah. the exposure. Yeah, he might go through the rehab assignment and then they just option him and keep him there because he's already in Sacramento, basically. You mentioned Perez. What do you think of of him so far? He's looked incredible behind the plate. His pitch framing is elite, at least to the eye test. He's a gold glover. He's a gold glover. Gold glove catching, I, I feel like because there's so many aspects of catching that it could be blocking, it could be throwing, it could be... It could be pitch framing. When we got him, you know, he's a two-time gold glove winner. I was excited, but I didn't really know what to expect. And man, his pitch framing is is elite. Again, at least to the eye test. We don't have enough numbers yet to see if the stats match the eye test, but he seems to be stealing strikes all over the zone, and that's that's impressive. Yeah, I mean gold so the gold glove award's kind of goofy. But yeah. it at least does mean that at some point he was top of his class, right? Top of the... Yeah. He's also looked better 
at the plate than I expected. I think he's only batting like 200, which is yeah. about where I thought he'd be. Yeah, it's, ripped, it's still super early, but it's, it's, I think we can boost those numbers up a bit. Yeah, I guess it, he just reminds me a little bit of Austin Wins more than Joey Bart. Like, it's not just a three-pitch strikeout every time. He's making contact. He's drawing walks. You know, he even had like a a single he hit the other day that I think was 108 miles an hour off the bat. So that's really good exit velocity. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should rely on him to be a middle-of-the-order force, but I still think it's been better than I expected because I expected him to be like just a full defense-first, no-bat-whatsoever yeah. catcher, and it's looked a little bit better than I thought. I can see us uh, keeping him out there for a bit. While we're on the whole catcher trend, you got some thoughts on Sable? I'm getting a little worried about Blake Sable just because he has one hit so far this season, and a it's punt. a field hit. Or, yeah, excuse me, it was a bunt single. And... Unfortunately, he's not going to have a super long leash and they don't have the luxury of optioning him or anything like that. I think he's got to start producing at the plate or or they, they might have to end that experiment, which would be unfortunate. I hope it works out again another time where I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think he needs to turn it around quickly or, or I'd be surprised if they keep going with it. Do you think with Bart going on the IL and then possibly rehabbing that there's room for Sable to stay up a little longer? Yes, absolutely. Depending on how Gary Sanchez looks, how long Bart's recovery timeline looks, Mm -hmm. you're right. It's very possible that that has bought Sable some extra time and hopefully that's all he needs and can, you know, start getting hot. I still don't think that they want him behind the plate very often there's like a few players that if they come back, all of a sudden I'm worried about his roster spot. So it's any, it, it's either Bart or Sanchez, but then it's also Hanniger and Slater whenever they're ready to come back because Sable has been playing almost exclusively in left field, except for, I think it was one start behind the plate. Right. So let's go there real quick. Slater and Hanniger. I've tried finding news on them. I don't know what's going on. When is Slater coming back? Yeah, there hasn't been any word yet on when either of them are coming back. They're progressing slowly is kind of the last word that I got. I also heard that Slater was closer than Hanniger, which was kind of surprising because when they were both injured, basically Hanniger said it was a very, very mild oblique strain. And then Slater got shut down with an elbow and then a hamstring strain. But the hamstring strain happened way after Hanniger's injury. So to hear Slater is ahead of Hanniger is kind of concerning for both because I don't think either of them are going to be back in the next week or two. Again, hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe that's the theme of this podcast. Let's hope Teej is wrong. But yeah, I don't don't think we're going to see them anytime soon. Okay, so when I think of Mitch Hanniger, I also kind of tend to think of Michael Conforto. I'd like to know your opinion on his performance so far the stats don't look great and uh one of the reasons i wanted to talk about him i actually thought about talking about him i swear it was about five minutes before he hit his home run on monday (laughs) other than the home run the stats don't look great but i think his think of him more often yeah right yeah i'll be his uh his catalyst um i think his swing decisions look good i think his swing looks good so those type of things together, 
you know, I think he's run into a little bit of bad luck. Him in particular, I feel like he's gotten the bat taken out of his hands a couple times by some borderline at best calls. And yeah, so basically what I guess what I'm trying to say is I think sooner rather than later, the the numbers are going to start matching what we're seeing at the plate because I think his at bats look pretty good. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. If you could do us that favor, talk a little more about him. Think about him. Put I'll that think about him there. a little more. Sure. We'd all appreciate that. That's the last bit of news that I had on my notes, except for one thing I do have circled to allow you to toot your own horn. So why don't you go ahead and do that for us all? All right. Yeah. So I've been saying for <laughs> weeks, at least, that they were going to piggyback some starters. I specifically said they were going to piggyback Tony Disco, Anthony Disclafani, and Sean Manaya. For those newer listening, I think this goes back to episode two, right? Yeah. Predicting the rotation. Yeah, it just seemed to make the most sense because they have at least six starters. You know, you can argue seven or eight, depending on what you think of Sean Jelly and Jacob Junis. And that's only the pitchers that are on the 26-man roster. So it's not even counting the guys in the at the minor league level as depth. So they were either going to go with a six-man rotation or they were going to delegate some of their starters to the bullpen, but I didn't think they were just going to turn them into one-inning guys either. So I, I think the plan the whole time was to have them piggyback or like tag team start, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And DiSclefani and Manaya just made a lot of sense. So I've been saying that for a while, and then sure enough, they did that. And it's funny because... DiSclefani went out there and shoved like he looked fantastic oh yeah he looked like the 2021 version of himself and I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because that's the game where they hit seven home runs (laughs) but he looked incredible he looked really good he really did the plan was they were gonna have him go four to five innings and then Manaya was gonna come in in the fifth or sixth but because he was pitching so well and pitching so efficiently he got through six on like 75 pitches. So Manaya didn't even come in until the 7th. Manaya only got the 7th and the 8th. It wouldn't shock me if the next time that rotation spot comes up, that they swap them, that Manaya's the one starting and then Discofani's the one that comes in out of the bullpen to to kind of tag team off of that. But we'll have to see. You're right. Disco was dealing. He was vibing. He was showing his passion out there, almost starting fights. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever know the truth about that or get to the bottom of it, but I think it's really a non-story, but it was yeah, it was fun to watch. DiScofani threw a 3-0 slider to Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn like hit a 40-foot comebacker and I was mad dropped an F-bomb. and dropped an F-bomb. And I think he was mad at himself. Again, to your point, I don't think we'll ever know, but I think he was like, shucks, running down the line. And... DiScofani thought he was yelling at him, so he took offense to it. But I, I think it's a complete non-story. I, like they, they haven't even brought it up since. So, but think about that. Let's say that that Vaughn is mad that Disco threw him a slider, a three-zero slider. What's he want him to throw? Because if we look at what the Giants are doing, they're swinging a lot on three-zero counts. Yeah, so I think Andrew Vaughn wasn't mad at the pitch, though that's kind of the word that's been going around, is that he was mad that he got a 3-0 slider. I don't think so, because the the days of just grooving a 3-0 fastball are are long gone. 
So I think Vaughn was mad at himself for either swinging at the slider in general, like misrecognizing it as a fastball and swinging at a slider, or just putting a poor swing on the slider. Because you're right, these days a three-out count's going to be the best pitch you're going to see in the whole at-bat. So you sit one location, you sit one pitch, and if you don't get it and it's a called strike, you're still at a 3-1 count. But if you do get the pitch you're looking for, you know, swing out of your shoes for it. Why not? That's not quite what we were taught in Little League. No. Uh, (laughs) But you're right. Yeah, it is kind of a a newer thought process, a newer convention to not take automatic 3-0. But when you think about when you're going to get the best pitch to hit, it's probably going to be 3-0. Opening series for us has come and gone. Minor leagues right now are are just getting into it. Triple A's already started. Double A and both A's are still to come this weekend. Yeah. What do you think about the guys we've got gearing up in the minors right now? Kyle Harrison's going to be in Triple A, right? Yeah. So it it was funny because the the whole offseason we were hearing about how how much they thought of Kyle Harrison and that if he pitches well we'll see him very early in the season and I don't disagree with that but then the last I heard before the assignments went out was that he was going to start in double A which didn't really add up and then sure enough he was assigned to triple A he actually made his debut yesterday for the river cats he only threw two innings i think they're gonna go real slow with him bring him on slowly they'll have him on an innings limit for sure and they they want to be real careful with him because he's still only 21 years old in those two innings he struck out four and allowed only one hit both fantastic he also walked four which is less good and i think that's kind of the thing that's going to hold him back right now is his command and control i think once he gets that ironed out that will that we'll probably see him in the bigs i think it's great he's a triple a keeping him close to san francisco i think that's promising uh you just talked about the walks to be fair though who's one of those guys he was walking he did walk fernando tatis jr (laughs) twice you're right okay all right i'd be scared to pitch to him too i would walk him Von Brown, Luciano, I think Maddos and Patrick Bailey, are they all in double A? I think they're all in Richmond. Yeah, they're all going to be assigned to double A. Von Brown and Luciano both had some injuries over the offseason or in spring training, so they're going to start in extended spring and then get assigned. But yeah, both of them are going to join double A with uh, Matos and Patrick Bailey. Yeah, so all four of those guys, super exciting. I'm also very excited for Von Brown to see what he can do. I got to see him when he was in Eugene when they would come up here and play the hops. I got to see him, and he's an exciting guy to watch. Yeah, I'm a little curious to see what they do because like both Von Brown and Matos are really good defensive center fielders. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and – how they how they end up working that out but yeah yeah totally uh and then other than that who we got down in in eugene now we've got uh averson ortega and grant mccray yeah so grant mccray was at san jose all of last year and almost had like a von brown type season where really good defensive center fielder in fact i think mccray is probably the best defensive center fielder they have in the system right now and then stole a ton of bases and showed some power. So some really nice tools there. Speed, power, you know, good defense, that kind of thing. 
A lot of swing and miss right now in McCray's game, so that's one thing that he'll have to improve on as he moves up the ladder. But he's really exciting. One guy that doesn't really get mentioned with the rest of the prospects is Averson Ortega. Averson Ortega, I think, is really interesting because he's a really natural shortstop. So everybody thinks he's going to stick at the position. The jury's still out if Luciano's going to stay at shortstop, but Ortega by all accounts, is a really good defensive shortstop. So I'll be interested to see how he progresses in high A and kind of where that goes. Because if he really can stick at the position, we might see him at shortstop in a couple of years, um, as opposed to us thinking that Luciano was going to be there. I feel like we have a lot of shortstops in the system right now. That's a good problem to have. Because yeah. if you've got a lot of shortstops... Athletic position, yeah. You're, you're probably athletic. That means you can probably play second base. It probably means you can play third base. In some instances, it means you can play center field. You know, the Astros a few years ago had Carlos Correa, and then Alex Bregman was coming through the system as a shortstop. Then they just said, okay, go play. I think they even brought him up and planted him in left field because he was just hitting so much <laughs> that they wanted it, wanted his bat in the lineup. And when you're an athletic shortstop, you can kind of do that and fake it at least a little bit and get away with it. And then an opening was made at third. He took over at third, and that's where he's at now. And he's a very good third baseman. Obviously, the bat's really good. So, yeah, I mean, having too many shortstops. I mean, look at the Padres. They've got, you know, four shortstops. But, All it's a, yeah, it's a good problem to have. So, absolutely. All right, look, that was... That felt like a ton of news. Looking back on the last two series, notice any trends, anything worth chatting about? Yeah, I think there were a few things. Um, You know, Brandon Crawford had that huge day in New York on Saturday, so the second game of the season. You know, he hit that huge, long home run, stole a base. I'd even say he pimped it. That was a Brandon Crawford pimp. Yeah, I think that was the hardest hit ball, at least that he hit between last year and this year. But I think it might have even been the hardest hit ball of any giant over the last two years, like even over yeah. some of Jock's. He ball. mashed it. He knew it. He he dropped that bat. It was that was a fun watch. And yeah, I think you're about to say it. He even stole a bag. Yeah, he stole a bag, and then he also had a really good defensive play to end the game. He started that double play on a rocket that Stanton hit, you know, Stanton. Million mile an hour. (laughs) And, you know, Crawford wrestled it and started the double play. So that was good. It was one game. I'm not expecting him to be back to his 2021 form where he was borderline MVP candidate. But if he's somewhere between that and where he was last year, I think the Giants would take that. And I think, I think we would too. Oh, yeah. The stolen bag, though, I will tell you, in MLB The Show, he is a 27 speed. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, jumping for joy when I saw that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Stripling? His outing wasn't the best. It wasn't the best after the game. He was talking to reporters and kind of wore it, which I don't think it really means anything, but... I think as fans, we like to see that. He's like, yeah, I missed on a couple sliders to two guys you can't miss with sliders to. Stanton hit that ball 485 feet. So, yeah, you can't you can't miss to that guy. And, you know, that's one of those things where, yeah, I think we like to hear it. We would also like to see him come out next time and do better. He would say the same thing, right? Like, you know, he missed on a couple pitches. 
sometimes you get away with those misses and sometimes Stanton hits it 500 feet. You know, what are you going to do? Because you said he wore it. I noticed that he's wearing Pablo Sandoval's number. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but thinking I would rather see Pablo pitching. <laughs> Let Pablo pitch. At least for the comedic value. Because yeah. there, there, there wasn't much much funny about stripling start i think you're right no no we got through it though what about yes how are you feeling yeah. about yes yes looks great kind of like what we were talking about with conforto he's making really good swing decisions right now and then on top of that he's making really good contact right now you know obviously we're only five games in he actually had a 986 ops in may last year i think everyone would say that yes had a disappointing 2022 so i think we have to be a little bit careful it's early there's you know we're only a few games in but yeah i think i think he's looked really good so far and we just hope that he can keep that up he also made a real a couple really good throws in the game today Uh, he threw out somebody at the plate he made another throw that kept somebody from advancing so i mean yes is a good player and if he can hit like he did a couple years ago then i think he's an even better player yeah, I mean, the guy's a, a new dad, right? So maybe he's just got a little extra spark. Maybe. Or maybe yeah, he's finally getting some sleep. I don't know. <laughs> no, because, yeah, I am a dad and I am just tired. Mm. We got a lot of baseball coming up ahead of us. I think we've got like six games in a row, seven games. Looking at our schedule right now, we've got... Yeah. I think Thursday is the next day off. Is that right? Yeah, so we've got a lot of a lot of games coming up. We've got one more in Chicago. We're going to see Lance Lynn. How do you feel about Lance Lynn? The antics are whatever. I don't know. I think he's a good good pitcher. He's one of those guys that like kind of was a late bloomer. Didn't really come into the league until he was yeah. a little bit older, but he's been extremely consistent and pretty good since he came in. I think I would love it if he was on the Giants, like the antics, but because he's not, I'm like, okay, guy, back <laughs> it up. Tone it down a little. <laughs> are we seeing Wood tomorrow? We are, right? Yeah, it's the first time we're going to see Alex Wood in the regular season. I like Woody. If anyone is prepared for a pitch clock, it's Woody. Oh, yeah. He's just going to come out firing. <laughs> Absolutely. And then we'll probably see Junis, like, I don't know, we'll, we'll see Wood for two times through the order, and then we'll probably see Junis to kind of tag team off of him. And then immediately after uh, tomorrow's game, we're going home for our home opener. Home opener, Alex Cobb is going to do the, is going to pitch the home opener. We don't know who's pitching for the Royals, and we don't have the probables for the Giants the rest of the series, but we at least know that Cobb is going to pitch on Friday. And then, yeah, the Dodgers come to town. Yep. What should we expect from the Dodgers? Well, they've got Trace Thompson and Jason Hayward hitting home runs like it's <laughs> 2015 or something. I don't know. I, uh, I saw that that crazy stat for Trace Thompson, right? All three of his home runs in that one game were the same exit velocity. Really? I didn't see that. Oh, the same exact to the decimal. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up after this. First off, feels like a glitch in the system. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but I read that and was like, I'm more blown away by the fact that Trace Thompson hit three. Yeah. I think I think two of them were against Bumgarner. I don't know. I'm I'm ho- hopefully we. You know, Bum didn't back, take that one. 
You know no. we didn't take that well. No. But, and Trace Thompson's always hit lefties well. Um, you know, he's he's kind of a lefty masher, always has been. So it's not, you know, I, I guess I'm not shocked. But there was a time when, Bum, when Bumgarner was on that, I mean, he would throw that cutter so so into right-handed hitters that, you know, he'd basically take their thumbs off if they swung. Not anymore. Not anymore. So we lost the season opener to the Yankees. We won a Saturday's game. Yep. So we ended up taking, and you know, like it felt disappointing, right? Because then Sunday came around and Sunday yeah. wasn't a good game. Uh, but I had time to reflect and honestly taking one of three from New York in New York. Like that's, that's good. I'm happy with that. I think anybody should be happy with that. Yeah. And then, you know, they've so far, they've split the two games in Chicago. If they can take the game tomorrow would be great. Then they go home and they're three and three and then they, they play a Royals team at home and hopefully they can win at least two of those games. And then all of a sudden we're, you know, a couple games above 500. If they lose tomorrow and they go back home two and four, even though that's only one game difference, it kind of feels a lot different. So hopefully yeah. they can they can win tomorrow, be happy on the flight, and then uh, and then go home and play well against the Royals. Yeah, and then roll that into that Dodgers series, and let's take uh, let's take two or three. Yeah, I'd love that. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I'm excited to have it back. I'm looking at the schedule. I've again seven, seven sh- straight more days of of baseball. Yep, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I think one other thing to talk about is that Tyro Estrada got the day off today, so he fouled a ball off his calf on Monday, and they took him out of the game. And then when they released the lineup today, he was originally in it. And then they opted to go with J.D. Davis at third and move VR from third to second. I think that's just A, precautionary, but then B, it was just a good excuse to get J.D. Davis in the lineup. Like, you know, him and Wilmer have had very few plate appearances so far, which is partly a good sign. They have so much depth. They have a lot of players that they need to get into games and things like that. So I think this was kind of just an excuse to get J.D. Davis some at-bats and have Tyro get a rest day and, and, you know, feel good for tomorrow. I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Uh, It did look like he tried to force them to allow him to stay in that game, right? And then they made the decision to pull him. I'm sure a little bit of that was going on where he was saying he's good and they – I think you're right. It's precautionary. Yeah. It's a long season. He's been playing a lot. Yeah. Like he's going to get some rest days throughout the season anyways. Why not get a rest day when you hit a rocket off your calf, you know? Yeah, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's all I have. Is there anything else you want to throw in here? If we want to talk about Matt Beatty for just a hot second, which is all the Giants have talked about him too because he has one at bat this whole season. Yeah, let's do it. He has an option left, right? Yeah, so when we talked last, it was opening day, and they had just made that trade for him, and we were kind of perplexed on what the reasoning was. It felt like it was just going to be a very short-term thing because 
It didn't seem like they had room on the roster when Slater and Hanniger were back. Turns out he has an option left, so that's kind of the reason why they did that, is he's a bench bat for now when people are healthy. If no one else gets hurt, knock on wood, that you know he does have that option left where they can park him in, in Sacramento. It's a little weird, though, that they traded for him and he has one at bat. Kind of goes back to what we were saying about they are trying to like force some at-bats for J.D. Davis and Wilmer Flores. Like They have a lot of at-bats to go around, but... It's still a little odd that he has one pitch hit appearance and that's it. Yeah, very odd. All right, friends, that's it. That's all. Thank you for joining us again. Hey, if you liked anything you heard or if you didn't like anything you heard, go ahead and send us a message. You could do so at thirdandkingshop at gmail.com. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this ad. If that's YouTube or uh, any of the streaming services out there, go ahead and give us a subscribe. Uh, visit us at thirdandking.shop. We've got some sweet merch and some other swag you can check out. Um, yeah, there you go. TJ's got this sweet shirt on. Four legends right there. And if anything, visit us uh, on the social medias at Third and King Shop. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Adios. See ya.